Brought to you by DKP and Code Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you. Uh, great to be back after a, a couple of weeks. On the Gold Coast, the Commonwealth Games. How was it? Fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. I, Australia did okay. There was they? a little bit of scepticism leading into the games amongst the general community, but I think once the game started, Tony, you, you love seeing uh, your, your home nation win, and uh, there was plenty of uh, great uh, stories behind the athletes and, and some you know, some of the world's best athletes uh, there at the Commonwealth Games. 80 gold medals for Australia on home soil. Uh, it uh, had all the, the ingredients for some good TV. Did we do better than um, Manchester? Much better than Manchester. Yeah. Uh, our best ever games were, I think, back in uh, in Melbourne. Uh, I think there were 84 gold in Melbourne and uh, 80, 80 gold this time around. Off topic, but mm. um, I loved the cycling and the swimming. Yeah. I thought that was sensational. Athletics, the, the track, a bit disappointing. Field, yeah. fantastic. I reckon they can have football in there. You've got England, Scotland, Wales... Yeah, well, we were talking. We were talking about a, this. Uh, maybe a futsal competition. Yeah, it's it's something. It, I think the, the the key is how do you fit it into the calendar. Yeah. And uh, you know the Olympics have struggled with it over the years, making it an under twenty three competition with the Olympic Games. So, with the Commonwealth Games, if you were to do uh, something similar, uh, would you make it an underage competition? Eighteen's maybe twenty. Yeah. I, I don't know. Something to aspire for. I think that's and right. And Australia would qualify the juniors because it was was their home home ground. We so would have, have yeah. to go through qualification. <laughs> I think that's right. We'll start the push here on uh, football bosses to uh, lobby football FIFA at the next Commonwealth Games. Well, the next Commonwealth Games are in uh, Birmingham in England. Oh, there you go. So what what better place to uh, introduce? I think I th- tell you the one sport that's in trouble is basketball. Australia in both the men's and women's won every game by 30, 40 points. It uh, it was too one sided. So those sort of sports uh, will we'll struggle. The netball. Now that was crazy. <laughs> Road cycling, though, fantastic. I love the yeah, cycling, of course. But brilliant. Um, no, and you you did a great job on um, on Channel Seven, Michael. Um, I thought you were very Thank very you. good. And, and what about and what about uh, football, Tony? Let's get back to football because I'm sure our listeners are not too much interested in the Commonwealth Games and more interested in football. Well, we saw Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory both uh, bow out of the Asian Champions League. Uh, really disappointing, given these are the you know two biggest clubs uh, in Australia, uh, not being able to progress through. Uh, and, and Graham Arnold uh, certainly spoke of his disappointment after the game the other night. Yeah, look, Sydney, it's their own fault. They started so poorly and then they came good and, you know, they had to really rely on, on the result last. But it didn't matter because I can't believe, you know, Suwon won away. Um, you know, finished on top. Um, and Kashima finished second. And so it really didn't matter if Sydney won or not. But, look, they could have played all night. They weren't going to score last night. Um, but you can't leave it to the last game of the um, Champions League. You need to get points. And at home, they were poor. Um, and I think Graham was first to, to admit that. Melbourne, they had a couple of good opportunities, very poor result uh, the last game, um, and now they've got to, uh, you know, they played uh, played last night, and um, you know, and they bow out as well. Interesting conversations around the Champions League, and it certainly has been maturing as a competition, but we're not quite there yet. We've still got a lot of work to do in terms of the way we promote it, but the way the AFC promotes it. I'm I'm all for the Asian Champions League. I think it's a really important. Um, competition for 
the maturity of our sport going forward. But and Melbourne City look like they'll uh, you know finish they'll finish in third position, which means they'll get a, a chance to to play in the Asian Champions League with that playoff spot. That's been a stated objective of the City Football Group. So well done to Melbourne City for that. Uh, and, and that's something they're looking forward to. But in the long run, um, fans aren't turning up and, and Australian teams are really struggling to, to get through. Uh, and we understand the difference in salary between the, the salary cap here and, and the types of teams that we're playing against. But uh, is it an insurmountable task for, for Australian teams to be to be competitive in that competition? No, not, not really. I mean, you look at the players, you know, Ninkovic, Mizieski... Bobo from Sydney, um, you know George from 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 Melbourne Victory. You know you've got Valeri, um, Troisi. They're, they're good players. They can match it at uh, any. Reese Williams has been yeah, very solid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think the salary cap has a major impact. Yes, those sort of players, when they come up against your uh, Hulks and your um, Oscars, um, you know Tevez was playing. It does make it difficult. Um, but even if you get rid of the salary cap, are the Australian clubs going to be buying those sort of players? Probably not. Mm. So they can mix it. You know, we've seen uh, Adelaide make the final. We've seen the Wanderers win it. Um, so it can be done. On the topic of salary cap, we'll come back to that later in the show because uh, Mark Bosnich, uh, one of my colleagues at Fox Sports, uh, came out uh, the other day and said it's time to get rid of the salary cap. It's a conversation we've been having uh, over the last few years. We'll touch on that later in the program. And uh, coming up as our special guest on this edition of Football Bosses is Morris Yemmer. He's uh, part of uh, one of the, the leading bids in A-League expansion. And uh, it's, a, it's a bid that is considered one of the favourites uh, to, to get through uh, in Sydney. And the big question mark uh, is, you know, what impact would that have on the, the current Sydney clubs? A huge impact, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I actually did the analysis on, on the impact that would have. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, uh, that bid is uh, probably miles ahead of a, a lot of bids. They've got a great structure. You know, Craig Foster's involved. You know, Morris has taken over from um, the late Les Murray in, in the role as chairman. They've got a, a media guy already. So they're, they're full steam ahead. And, uh, you know, they, their bid's uh, quite good. There's some interesting facts about the bid and we'll, we'll ask Morris those sort of questions. So I'm really looking forward to having a good uh, you know, chat with him. All that coming up after the break here on Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Code Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you. And joining us on the line now is the former Premier of New South Wales and the bid chairman for Southern Expansion, Morris Yemma. Morris, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's an exciting time for our sport. You know, we, we talk about uh, the need for expansion and it's now firmly on the agenda. We're working towards a deadline and your bid has been uh, described by many as one of the, the hot favourites. Tell us why. Well, I think that uh, I think ours is the strongest, uh, it's the most uh, well advanced, and uh, uh, without uh, without any criticism of others, uh, it's the one that's been worked on the longest. Uh, so uh, we've had we've had more time, uh, we've had more time to uh, put this together in a considered way, and uh, I believe, and my team believes that uh, 
we're, we're certainly covering the bases that you would want covered uh, in expanding the competition and uh, and re-energising the A-League. Uh, so uh, we're, we're confident without being overly confident in that uh, we, are, we are fulfilling the criteria and uh, for us it's a case of putting the finishing touches to our bid as opposed to starting it. Uh, we've been going for more than a year and uh, we've got some very good people. Craig Foster, head of football, a former CEO of one of the biggest uh, community organisations uh, in, in our state, uh, the PCYC. So we, we've assembled, we think, the, the best possible team that will make this a, a reality on the park and, and, and off the field too with uh, fan engagement. We'll talk about fan engagement and uh, other uh, areas in a moment. How, how is the bid funded? Well, we have, uh, we have a, a company that uh, is in uh, construction and development and got several other arms to their, uh, their business. Uh, it's a Hong Kong-based company that uh, also owns a, a Chinese Super League team. And uh, football and, uh, and sport is very much part of uh, uh, what they see as their, as their business. Uh, so they're, they're essentially a property development construction uh, company. They do have uh, mining interests, uh, securities interests, uh, and uh, uh, very, uh, very much able to meet the financial conditions uh, that the FFA quite rightly has set out. Morris, you're, um, you're proposing to play out of uh, three different stadia. Um, can you explain as to your, your, the thought process behind that? Well, I, uh, I'm a big supporter of uh, playing where your heartland is. And if you're going to base yourself in South, picking up three really iconic and very parochial regions of New South Wales, that is the, the, the uh, southern suburbs of Sydney and a very strong regional centre uh, in Illawarra, uh, it really doesn't make uh, a great deal of community sense or even business sense to be off playing, say, for example, at ANZ. I think the second point is that it's important for us to learn the lessons of some of our compatriots in, uh, in other sports. And with this, I, uh, I draw a parallel with the St George Dragons, who are a merged uh, organisation. Uh, St George in southern Sydney and the Illawarra, the Illawarra Steelers uh, on the south coast. And uh, with all of the best intentions, uh, the Dragons have, over the last few years, drifted to places like ANZ and an occasional game at, uh, at Oliant. And that hasn't gone down well in the heartland. It hasn't gone down well in their base. And so this year, uh, I mean, they're performing well on the field, but they're actually playing their home games at Cogra and at Wynn Stadium. And the attendances have been fabulous. Uh, so I'm a big supporter if you make a commitment uh, to, uh, to people and to local communities. But one, you stick to it. But I'm a big supporter of playing where your heartland is. Uh, for us, uh, I, mean, I guess the third point is that um, there are three very good venues. Like Cogra Stadium has had uh, significant amounts of money spent on it. It's a terrific facility. It doesn't require any money. Uh, Southern Cross Stadium, which is the Sharks uh, Stadium, is also a very good uh, smaller stadium. And Wynn Stadium uh, is also an excellent regional facility on a par with the Newcastle uh, Stadium and uh, has only in the last couple of years uh, had uh, a huge amount of money spent on it, $30 million plus for new grandstand and, and facilities. So uh, they're very good facilities and uh, why wouldn't 
you make uh, yourself available to play in those areas. And uh, having the support of the soccer association, the football associations in those three regions, it's obviously an important issue for them uh, that we provide them with local content. It's something that we're quite happy to do. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't... Uh, uh, adhere to the wishes of the FFA in the longer term to look for a a, a, a one one venue solution, and that's the longer term. And we don't back away from that. Our our, our financial uh, backers have got the capacity to do that. So in the short to medium term, in, and certainly in, in the sense of getting the the organisation up and running and playing in two years' time, it just makes really good sense. It keeps faith with uh, the football community in those three regions. And as you said, you explained it well, short-term option, the long-term option would be one, because I suppose the risk, Morris, is that you're diluting your brand by playing in three different venues. Well, that would be the case if there were venues outside our our catchment, our reach, our heartland. Uh, We're south. We We don't envisage other than when we're playing uh, derbies, uh, to be playing out of Allianz, ANZ, or indeed the new Western Sydney Stadium that's being built at Parramatta. And uh, for us, it's, it's, it's keeping faith with your catchment and your, and your supporters. And, yeah, look, those that are in St George would love every match to be at St George, but they're also realistic, and, and they know, and we've been up front with them. Those that are in someone, they know that... Uh, uh, the organisation encompasses three communities and three regions, and you've got to uh, you've got to be fair, and you and you've got to keep faith. And to me, that's that's more important than anything. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time in the Illawarra. I've got a base there, and I I well understand uh, the uh, the feeling in the Illawarra over in the, on what's happened with rugby league, in in the sense that they feel that the dragons have drifted from them. Now this year, the dragons have are making a conscious effort to re-engage. And they've been rewarded. They've played two matches there and the attendances have been 18,000. The ground's got a capacity of just, just over 20. And that's fantastic. And I can't say that the scheduling has been the best, and that's a matter for the NRL. But uh, St George, the Dragons, have given two very high-quality rugby league matches and the people of the Illawarra have responded. And I would see that we would uh, follow suit, that we wouldn't be looking to drift away uh, from from our base and our heartland, Morris, where would you um, play the derbies against uh, the Wanderers and Sydney FC? Would it be in one of those three stadia, or would you look at a bigger stadium? Well, when they're home games of uh, the Wanderers, uh, it'd be uh, I would imagine the Wanderers would want it at uh, the new Western Sydney Stadium with a capacity of thirty. And it's no, no, your 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 derbies, your and, home uh, game, and ours. Uh, yeah, well, we've got a choice of three. I guess a lot of it would depend on uh, on how the, our uh, our respective teams uh, were performing on the park, uh, and uh, and where we would see that we would uh, get the maximum uh, bang for our investment in that particular game in terms of getting people to turn up. So that would be something that we would carefully assess and, and do some research and engagement with our fans when it comes to scheduling. Uh, and it's obviously dependent on performances on the park, of course. Always, when you're, when you're performing well, you've got a better chance of people turning up to come and watch you and playing good football. So it's, uh, it's something that we would certainly uh, make a, it'd be a very carefully considered decision 
in advising the uh, the FFA uh, when it would come to do the uh, competition schedule. Um, we'd like to uh, we'd like to think that uh, as a club, uh, engaging with our fans is a prerequisite that will guide us in in all of our activities. Definitely. Have you um, have you caught up with um, how does sort of the, the three different football associations feel? I mean, they've had a long sort of standing with uh, with Sydney FC. I know, you know, St George and Sutherland, um, and I know Football South Coast have got a uh, MOU with uh, with Sydney FC. How have they embraced this uh, this bid, and how have they reacted to um, your uh, you know I suppose your uh, proposal? Well, engagement's been very positive, and and again, uh, we, we we haven't asked people to uh, uh, to cut ties and to do things that uh, in the end are going to harm them. Uh, we recognise that for St George, for example, uh, uh, the relationship uh, with with FC, we've simply gone to St George to say that uh, we'd be seeking a, a memorandum of understanding, which uh, which they have signed. Uh, we've done the same with Sutherland. We've done the same with South Coast, uh, and and sometimes it's been a um, a fine balancing act for South Coast because uh, uh, their their support of us has, has sometimes been misinterpreted by the standalone uh, bid as being uh, some way uh, selling out the standalone bid. South Coast have been very clear from the start, and and they have reiterated this at every time we have had a meeting or a discussion that they absolutely, as point number one, support a standalone Illawarra, South Coast, Wollongong bid for, the, for an A-League licence. Morris, I did read... Uh, at, at, at the same time, they, they want to be part of us because they see that if that doesn't succeed, they don't want to miss out. They still want elite football on the South Coast and, and having, having a relationship with us and being part of us is better than uh, being rejected with the standalone bid and then having no A-League football uh, anywhere on the South Coast. I did read an article which uh, spoke about your intention to in- include members in uh, in the model uh, of the way the club is run and, and perhaps give them a greater say um, um, compared to some of the, the, the other structures that currently exist in the A-League. Talk us through that. Yes, I think, it's, uh, I think this is quite exciting in that uh, we want to give two positions on our governing board to our fans and, and to be representative uh, of the fans on the board right at the table where the decisions are made, uh, one uh, one male, one female. It's it's something that uh, occurs in other codes uh, and indeed internationally in football. Not exactly the same, but there are precedents overseas. And I, I, I feel that if, uh, in, in building uh, a club uh, from the ground up, uh, it's to me, it's, it's, it's a key issue and to uh, have that direct relationship with your fans. Uh, We've we got uh, certainly big plans in social media and face-to-face engagement, but giving them a voice around the governing table where the serious decisions are made about the club, its direction, its philosophy, its policy, I think is, is important. In that respect, I'm uh, impressed by what the West Sydney, Western Sydney Giants have done in the AFL. That's a club that was built from the ground up learning the lessons of the Sydney Swans, which was just picked up and dropped uh, into Sydney and, and struggled for many, many years uh, and almost on the verge of collapse. Uh, so the Swans took a lot longer to get the message. The Giants didn't. They got it from the beginning. And so we're, we're a start-up. No better way to start-up than uh, where you want to play and engage the people. Uh, are you considering... Work. 
are you considering an a, a AFL type model where members are financial members and and uh, can have a, a vote uh, at at an annual general meeting? Well, at, uh, as a first step, uh, it's to give those members uh, a direct say in electing those two uh, representatives onto our board. I think in the initial period for us, as we establish ourselves, that's probably the best way to proceed. And uh, models can always evolve over time, but for the, for the time being, as our, in, in the first phase of our existence, which is start-up to initial period of, of playing and operating, uh, we don't have any plans to go further than than, than uh, that model there, which to me is uh, quite exciting. One that uh, if you're, you're signing up straight away, you get to vote uh, in an election and, and know that those people are, are going to the to the room and the table uh, where the decisions are made. Sydney FC have been vocal about uh, any expansion in Sydney. Full stop. And obviously, yours has been one of the high profile ones. What do you say to to Scott Barlow and and Co at Sydney FC? We are not a threat. In no way are we a threat. Yes, you've got some members uh, in uh, in, the, in the southern area, but understand, just just the St George and Sutherland parts of our catchment are in excess of half a million people. Uh, when you add the Illawarra, we're, we're 850,000, growing for more than a million. And if you've got between three and 5,000 members, that's, that's an enormous catchment that are not members. Uh, it, there's also tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people who uh, are there to be reached out to and brought into the football fold. And I say to them, uh, let's grow the game together. Don't see us as, as a threat. In fact, when the Wanderers came into the competition, uh, attendances, interest, ratings and revenue went up. And here's an opportunity to create another, not only another derby, but let's have a, a rivalry uh, that uh, is a friendly one. We don't want uh, we don't want uh, uh, things to get out of control. But let's create a, a friendly rivalry and a new derby uh, in the southern part, uh, which has a fabulous football tradition. Uh, what we would like to do is is to build an organisation tapping into uh, three regions that have got a culture and a history and a tradition of football that is up there with, uh, if not the best in the country. Morris, have you met with um, the chairman, Scott Barlow, or the CEO, Danny Townsend, from Sydney FC? Not as part of this. I have met uh, Scott uh, previously in previous years at uh, Sydney FC Games. Uh, I've, uh, I've embarked on a uh, series. Uh, I haven't got to uh, Scott or Danny yet uh, as part of this formal process, but I have been meeting uh, chairs and, and owners uh, of, uh, of clubs, and uh, that's something that I uh, certainly have every intention of doing uh, as a matter of courtesy uh, have met with uh, the FFA now that they've announced the formal process and as purely as a matter of courtesy there was nothing uh, nothing more discussed in the sense of the FFA outlining the process and uh, really just a, a courtesy introducing myself and uh, our team and uh, you, you talked about your your backers obviously they have uh, you know, business interests here in Australia uh, what about um, the way that you, you structure your squad? We, we have a discussion often here about marquees and, and uh, obviously Tony was responsible for bringing Alessandro Del Piero to the A-League and we saw the impact that had. Is that something you're discussing at this early stage and the, the impact of a, a big-name marquee and would you consider that? Absolutely, absolutely. We see marquee player, marquee players as uh, 
an essential ingredient in in being successful on the park and off the park. And, and indeed, SC, Sydney SC there, that, that is the model. Uh, very astute selection of the type of marquee player and then a very successful uh, period uh, with Sydney FC on and off the pitch and uh, the merchandising, the marketing that was done. Uh, we see that as uh, a model way for others to copy. Uh, I, I guess if, 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 if there's any downside to, to what happened with Del Piero and Sydney FC is that others didn't follow suit. And, uh, and, and that's something that, that everybody can learn from the experience. Uh, uh, that FC showed everybody really the way to go. And everybody benefited. I mean, every time Sydney FC played away, uh, the, the interest that Del Piero generated on and off the field, uh, the publicity, attendances, interest in the game, let alone when he played here, uh, it really did excite. So it was uh, the level of interest and in the coverage. Uh, it was an exciting time. And it's something that has worked in the past, we should be doing more of it. Morris, uh, we had um, head of the A-League, uh, Greg O'Rourke, on last week and I spoke to him about the process, the timelines. Um, so he's, uh, you know, they're going to have a short list in the next uh, probably four to six weeks, which they'll announce. Um, and then the licence will be, I suppose, awarded um, end of October. Is that enough time, you think, to get a team up and running by the following season? And if it was uh, for season 18-19, no, it's being season 19-20. Uh, we are very confident that we'll be ready. Craig Foster is head of football. Craig is, uh, has, has been for some time working on uh, coaching program, working on uh, player type names that could be available coming off contract. So... Craig has been developing uh, his idea of the makeup of uh, uh, a men's team, a women's team, and squad types of players. So we're, we are ready for 1920, uh, and that's the date that the FFA have set out. So I think, uh, to very short answer, yes, ready for 1920, absolutely. Uh, we've been doing some work through our head of football, through Craig uh, Foster in terms of playing style, coaching programs and player makeup of our team. Yeah, because, I mean, um, yeah, so November 1, you'll be uh, ready to go. That's, um, that's Yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, and history has shown us that each time there has been uh, new teams added, uh, that it, is, it, is, is, it has generated excitement and interest uh, through crowd attendances, people talking about the game, but talking about the right things about the game. That is the actual contest on the park, players, coaching, uh, personalities, and leaving how it's administered aside, because that's really in the end what, uh, what drives the passion, what makes uh, our code of football the biggest on the planet, are the players and the skills that uh, are played in the back streets, the back lanes, and on the parks all over the world. That's, that's, what, that's what drives football. That's why it's such a big game. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not the sideshows uh, off the park. Morris, we thank you very much for your time and uh, we wish you all the best with uh, your bid in the next few months. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Morris Yemmer joining us on The Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Team.
Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Uh, Morris Yemmer had just joined us about expansion. Sounds like they've got a pretty strong bid ahead. He hasn't spoken to Scott Barlow, uh, hasn't spoken to Western Sydney yet, but Tony, they will take they will take a slice of the action from Sydney FC, hence Sydney FC's concern. There's no doubt. And, um, you know, we... Um, and I think it's talking out of school, but we uh, did a um, got PwC to do a, a study on the impact, and it will have a significant impact. Uh, you know, over thirty percent of Sydney FC members come from that region. You know, they're talking South Sydney. That's from mascot. I mean, that's very close. That's only eight k's away from Allianz Stadium, and um, you know, Sutherland is a big uh, football association. How far is Sutherland Shire from uh, from the Sydney uh, Allianz Stadium? Oh, it would only be about 25 k's, yeah. not even. Mm. It's very, very close. Cogra is, is, is very close. You know, we've, uh, we've actually played some games at Cogra over the years, we, Sydney have. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it will have an impact. And uh, I, I don't think Sydney would, be, would mind so much if it was south. If it was a Wollongong. No, they, they'd be fine. Wollongong would yeah. work. Because yep. it's far, far away. It's it's ninety k's away. They've got a fantastic stadium there. Winston. And we saw a good crowd when uh, Sydney FC played uh, Wollongong in the FFA Cup there a couple of years ago. I think there were ten thousand people down there. Yeah, no, and we and Sydney have played uh, a home game there, and you know the hill was was full. It was about twelve thousand people, and you know in a, in a sixteen thousand seater, it looks fantastic. So it will have an impact. But Michael, this is the favourite. This South Sydney is the bid that will get up because if you listen to the FFA and what David Gallup's always said, fish where the fish are, this is where the fish are. But Morris did say this is an interim measure playing uh, at three venues. I don't think it's an it ideal. Work. I don't think it'll work. Because you're looking at three different markets and uh, they need to choose one location. So the question is, if, if it was going to be based in Wollongong, why not make it Wollongong from day one? Well, it's not. It's not a Wollongong bid. They've mm. got a separate bid, and you might. And that's that bid initially was going to be backed by the uh, owner of uh, Win um, TV. Uh, I forget his name at the moment. Um, and that's a, that's a separate bid. Um, you know, you're going to be playing out of Cogra, so Sydney. So well, you're going to be playing home games because uh, mm. you know, Sydney have to play some games. So it's it's an interesting move. I know what they're trying to do, and uh, um, you know they just want to you know get around to, to all the different associations, the three associations within there, South Coast, Sutherland and, and St George. Um, but then again, you know, there, there's always, you know, he's right to saying that when the Wanderers came in, there was, you know, anticipation by, by Sydney at the time that it would have a negative impact. It didn't. It, it just grew. But that was a different, that was a really divide. Um, you know, South Sydney derbies, you might create some extra people. You might, as he said, get people that aren't involved in football come along. So it's going to be interesting. But they are, uh, you know, well advanced in, in all their, um, I suppose, uh, processes. And I suppose from a Sydney FC point of view, they'd be concerned in, in the fact that this year they've been playing uh, arguably the best football that that club has played in its history but their crowds are still down. And, and what it, what does it take uh, to increase the number of people coming through the gates there? Yeah, I'm sure they'd be shaking their heads. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is disappointing, not only at Sydney, but crowds all around. You mm. know, even Melbourne Victory have dropped off a, yeah. a lot. Um, and that's a s- systematic of the A-League at the moment and the stagnation that people are feeling. Um, the football on the pitch is, is good. Um, <clears throat> you know, I read a really good article yesterday um, saying that uh, 
you know, how many times you go watch, you know, lower leagues play, you know, uh, in, in the EPL or Serie A or La Liga, you are going to get your Central Coast and your Wellingtons play and people got no interest, but then you get your big games as well. So it's part of any football football league. But, yeah, I think the league does need something. We've said it time and time again, and expansion is, is hopefully one area. And I agree with Morris. It is about getting some marquees back, um, playing in the league and, and you know, getting that exposure. One of the other encouraging things out of that conversation was uh, the, the fact that he spoke about, you know, they've already started to draw up a list of players that are, that are coming out of contract. They're already looking at marquees that are available uh, and, and they're looking at big-name marquees. And, and coaches uh, as well. And it's something that the league uh, desperately needs. Just on that point, uh, it works it, into the conversation on uh, the salary cap and... Uh, Mark Bosnich came out the other day and said, time to get rid of the salary cap. It's a view held by many. Uh, as, a, as a CEO, you were CEO of uh, Sydney FC and the Wellington Phoenix. What's your view? Very, two very different clubs, one that perhaps wasn't spending as much and, and the other that had the ability to spend and did with Del Piero. What, what, what was the consensus across the CEOs of the A-League around the salary cap? If I had my Wellington Phoenix cap on, don't, mm. because they just don't have the funds. Um, if I had my Sydney FC cap on, yeah, uh, you know, for sure. But uh, you've got to be mindful that the league needs all teams. Um, you know, the salary cap was was introduced to keep uh, an even competition. You've seen it's not not the way. I mean, Sydney won the, the league last year by 14 points. I think they won it by 17 points this year. Um you know, Melbourne victory at times have, have won the league and it is shared between at the moment, you know, Sydney, Melbourne. I mean, Adelaide were there a few years ago. Um, you know, Newcastle has won it. Central Coast has won it as well. But I think more and more now uh, there is a, uh, a big gulf uh, happening. And over the last few years, um, you know, the, the lower teams haven't fared so well. So, I, you know, I, I can understand get rid of the salary cap uh, I don't think FFA will. I think uh, if you do get rid of it, you're going to lose a lot of teams just trying to compete. Um, you know, and as I said, if you're going to uh, get rid of the salary cap for a Asian Champions League purpose, I don't even know if that's going to work because I don't think the Australian clubs are going to spend the money to get those players, like I said, like Hock and the Oscars and the Tevezes and stuff like that. Yeah, and I th- we will never compete with the likes of China. We know that they'll they'll throw a lot of money around, but uh, if if we can sell them on the dream, as you as you described when you were negotiating with Del Piero, and we saw the example of Zlatan Ibrahimovic at uh, LA you Galaxy, still, you can still get those players. He's going there for one point five million US a year net net, but still that's that's type of money that an A-League club, a well-resourced A-League club could afford and would invest and, and uh, would be a worthwhile investment for the league. There's no doubt. And you can still do that without getting rid of the salary cap. Mm. You can still pay those players. I mean, the salary cap... And we've pay- got two outside the cap at the moment, so perhaps the next step is to well, say... There's, okay, there's more than... There's a soft cap as well. Yeah. I mean, people don't understand that the salary cap might be 2.8, but then you've, can, you've got three players that you can spend, I think, up to... I uh, can't remember the right numbers, but about 180000 uh, or more actually uh, outside the cap because they're your homegrown players that have been with your club now you've got loyalty so a player who's been at your club for 10 years only half of that goes in the salary cap half doesn't so if he's on 200 grand only 100 grows goes into the cap and then you've got you know your, your under 20s and so the cap can actually be 3.3 3.4 3.5 so it's a lot and then more. on top of that to outside of the cap 
where it used to be one Australian, one international. Um, that's when, you know, we're trying to get some of the Australians, like your Brett Edmonton's, your Harry Kills coming back. Um, now it can be two internationals. So you can you, know, you can go out and get a, uh, you know, a Zlatan Brevich and a, I don't know, a, a Wayne Rooney, for example, in the same team, or Buffon in goals and, uh, and Zlatan up the top. Um, so you want to see Gigi Buffon in Australia? <laughs> I'm not sure goalkeepers count as marquees, but he, he might work. Well, it's about... You know, the whole aim of the marquees, first and foremost, is about, you know, getting the, the sort of league. And, and coaches now have a big say, and of course they should, because ultimately it's their, uh, I suppose, uh, job on the line about the quality of the player that they're getting and, uh, and the, I suppose, what attraction they can have to the actual on-the-field, uh, besides off-the-field, uh, I suppose... Uh, uh, you know, process. I don't think I don't think it'll change anytime soon until uh, the expansion occurs. But I think in the long run, we need to look at uh, ways in which we can uh, help make those clubs willing to spend more competitive, and that might be you know creating another marquee spot. But at the moment, if you look at across the clubs, there aren't too many paying big money for marquee players. So at this point, I don't think there's a need. Sydney's the only one mm. um, paying big money, um, not massive, but. But you know, way over the salary cap, and uh, you know the MLS have got you know salary cap. Um, I know it was introduced, as I said, to to keep the sort of uh, league tight. Um, but you can still do it. You can have two marquees. You can actually have a third international on a uh, guest appearance as well. I think the more urgent thing for the the A League to look at is clubs like the Central Coast Mariners, who are really operating at the other end of the spectrum Phoenix on, on as a well. minimum. Minimum wage, minimum uh, salary cap, and uh, the Wellington Phoenix, because we've seen the destruction that that can cause to crowds and and to the players, and and uh, and has a flow-on effect on the rest of the league. Oh, it does, it does, and um, you know they're just battling week in week out, uh, you know, to to pay the wages. We'll be uh, back with more of the football bosses after this short break. Here comes the money. Here we go. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on FNR, a final segment uh, for this week. We've got a big show planned for next week, uh, speaking to the CEO of Melbourne Victory, Trent Jacobs, and uh, also Craig Moore, one of the legends of Australian football, will join us next week on the Football Bosses. You know what was on last night? I tweeted it. I um, did see your tweet. Australia versus... I watched the whole game Croatia. I still suffered that last few... I'll tell you what, Mike. Michael, one of the worst referee performances by Pop. He picked the penalty though. Yeah. I don't know how he did it, but he missed the other one at the you know yeah. when we were two one down and Harry Q was offside. You he and I were offside. both in that stadium. We were down the other end. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when Behind Craig the goals. when Craig Moore scored that yeah. goal? Yeah. We went berserk and yeah. uh, and Australia scores in the last minute. Just this I was just anyway, we got through. Um, amazing the result. So that's coming up next week, but to, to wrap up uh, this uh, edition of the Football Bosses. We want to talk about uh, the current coaching situation and uh, speaking of football bosses, there are quite a few that could uh, make the move at the end of the season. Wellington Phoenix are looking for a coach. Sydney FC, we know, are looking for a coach. The question is, does Perth Glory change its coach? 
Kenny Lowe, who's been there for quite... He's been the longest-serving coach at Perth Glory now and has missed the finals this year. Uh, is there pressure on him? I think there is. Uh, we've seen a, an appointment of Mike Mulvey at, at the Central Coast Mariners. So uh, quite a few to to come Wanderers. through next week, uh, next in the next few weeks. Uh, huge pressure on Josip Gombau as well. Uh, was there a clause written into his contract to, that if he didn't make the finals... Uh, uh, he would be in jeopardy. That That's the big question. So I'd love to get uh, your views on all of this. Tony, uh, let's start with a place you know very well, which is Wellington. You were the CEO there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, speculation going around at the moment. Chris Greenacre is the assistant coach there. He's, uh, for the second time, uh, fulfilled that role. Is he a chance, do you think? Well, Chris actually wasn't the assistant this year. He looked after the um, Or he came team. in, to, sorry, as a, to fill in the role. At, yeah, at, at, at I, I don't think so. Um, I think they'll look uh, outside Chris. Um, Chris doesn't even have his pro licence at mm. the moment. so he. But that can be done between now and the start of the season. No, it's a two-year process, right. so he won't be eligible. Um, that's why last year he was actually coaching, but he wasn't the first-team uh, coach uh, because he didn't have his pro licence. I'm hearing um, Melbourne Victory assistant JP is okay. a strong favourite to uh, to get that. And, um, you know, JP's uh, done his apprenticeship uh, under Kevin. Uh, he was at Newcastle. He's actually coached at uh, NSL level. Um, so... You know, it might be a good appointment. Yeah, he's uh, got plenty of experience. So, um, yeah, it's uh, someone that... And there are a lot of coaches out there, Tony, that uh, that I think do deserve a, an opportunity to coach. And if we're speaking, you know, uh, about coaches that are available in Victoria, you've got uh, someone like John Anastasiadis, who's been outstanding uh, at NPL level, not just winning NPL titles, but taking his team through to the, the deep end of the FFA Cup. Uh, it'd be great to see one of these guys get an opportunity as well at uh, at A-League level. Um, and also we've seen guys like Mark Rudin who've coached successfully in uh, in the uh, you know Sydney NPL and, and won the NPL national title. With uh, uh, It'd be great to see one of the, some of these younger coaches getting through. What are you hearing in Perth? Is Tony Sage going to persevere with uh, Kenny Lowe? I am um, not hearing much. Um, I did read an article where Tony was saying that, you know, if we had, you know, we'd beaten the second team, third team, fourth team, we had a lot of injuries. Um, so he's making a few excuses. Um, I think Kenny's under pressure. I think uh, they underperformed this year. Though last year they made the semi finals. Um, so I know Tony's a big supporter of Kenny. So my gut feel is that he might might stay. And it depends really what's out there. Mm. You know, you've got to really look, is there anything out there better than what... Scott Miller's another coach, speaking of uh, other coaches that, um, you know, have coached in the A-League and, and uh, well-credentialed and, and well-respected. He's uh, potentially uh, another one that will come into the reckoning, not just for Perth, but for some of those other positions uh, we've spoken about. What about Sydney FC? Because Graham Arnold is out. We all know that. Uh, Danny Townsend, the new CEO, and Scott Barlow would have been planning this for some time now. They've had time to, to prepare. They won't make any announcement until the season is over. But will they look abroad, or do you think they'll uh, stay at home? I think they'll look abroad. Um, they'll sort of cast their um, the net wide. Um, you know, given that Hamburger is on the board there and has a you know quite a few contacts in in Europe, um, and I think you know. Someone like uh, Steve Corica might be a chance as well. I mean, Steve's been assistant at Sydney now for for quite a few years. Um, legend Ex-player. of the club, yeah, yep, legend of the club. Um, served his apprenticeship. 
um, he might be uh, in, in the mix as well. So and, and it's not unprecedented. If you look at the example uh, of Melbourne victory, Kevin Musket was uh, an assistant to Ange Postacoglu. He was a captain of the club. And Melbourne Victory gave him a chance. Uh, it was it was a big risk for for the club at the time. He'd only had a short period as an assistant coach, and and uh, the risk paid off. He's he's uh, won a title for them, uh, and FFA Cup in an FFA Cup. So yeah, he's uh, consistently made finals, which is the expectation at Melbourne Victory, of course. But um, yeah, look, you know, Steve Corica deserves an opportunity. Yeah, I think so, and um, you know he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be in in the, in the mix as well. And I know in you know, Scott. Um, you know, he's a big supporter of uh, Steve as well. What about Western Sydney? This is an intriguing one, isn't it? Uh, they appointed Josip Gombau under difficult circumstances. Tony Popovich walked out in the club a, a week before the season started and, and they were really uh, scampering about to uh, find somebody. Uh, Josip Gombau was uh, coaching uh, with uh, the Olly Roos and, and uh, working with Ange Postacoglu at the time and and uh, they determined that he would be the best man. You're hearing a lot of things about the, the, the players not being engaged and, and not being uh, with Gombau, and the fact that they didn't make the finals is a huge blow to Western Sydney as a club who have very high aspirations. Difficult to, to read this from the outside, but uh, the more you hear, the more you think that a change could be on the cards there. Yeah, look, there's always something um, you know rumbling around, and you know we're not in the inner sanctum, so we don't know exactly... Um, but uh, I think you know Josep will be under huge pressure, and as you said, that club expects to play finals. And you know we've got six out of ten teams making the finals. You should be making the finals. And um, I think the, over the next week or so, they'll um, they'll be looking at the whole, uh, I suppose, football department. What went wrong? Um, clubs tend to do that when they have a season like that. Um, you know, we did uh, Sydney did that a few years ago with myself. I looked at when we finished seventh at the whole structure, the way you recruited, um, everything, and you've got to implement change. And um, you know, from that, you know, you've seen the results over the last few years. So I think Joseph's under a bit of pressure. Um, one coach we haven't mentioned that is available is uh, Tony Popovich. Well, I was going to say that was my next question. Would we see an extraordinary uh, turn of events and Tony Popovich return to Western Sydney? Will they? hold a grudge for him leaving he's so well respected and and proven as a coach could they turn full circle and go back to Popovich at Western Sydney I think they could but I don't think they will I think the way it ended maybe left a bit of taste in uh, in the chairman's mouth It'd be surprising if Tony Popovich does not coach in the A league next year though I I would find it extraordinary given he's available unless he had something. So we, we've got China and, and Japan now fully underway, uh, their leagues. Uh, he, he, he's put his hand up and said, uh, you know, he's available, he's ready to coach again. Uh, it'd be extraordinary if he didn't end up uh, coaching next season. Well, maybe Tony Sage might give him a buzz. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, with... Uh, you know, Tony Vidmar was probably one of the first choices at uh, Wellington, and um, he knocked it back, given that they told him basically they won't be spending a lot of money so Perth, pop- Perth, is, Perth is an interesting one because Perth is a club that does have the resources and uh, and and Tony Sage has wants spent to, money he wants to win that uh, the champions uh, trophy and I think if you look closely at Perth one of the criticisms of that club has been the culture within the dressing room and uh, it, it may take a strong character like Tony Popovich to to address that 
and uh, the resources haven't been an issue. The, 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 on paper, this is a very good side, has been for the last few years, and perhaps uh, a really strong leader like Popovich could turn that club around. Maybe. Um, but uh, you'll find, I think Tony Wood uh, will be coaching somewhere in the A-League. Um, but don't rule out Wanderers. I think, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, relationships sour, you know, and people get over it, move on for the better of the, the club. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back at the Wanderers the next season. It's a fascinating discussion. It'll all uh, play out in the next few weeks, no doubt. We look forward to the finals and uh, we look forward to joining you again next week for another edition of the Football Bosses. Thanks for listening. From me, Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata. it's goodbye. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Ching, ching.